Welcome to The Porch. I'm Lindsay Bacardo, keynote speaker and virtual presenter for organizations who want to build strong, multi-generational teams. I believe that the modern day leader has a moral obligation to grow personally and lead others from a grounded and healthy and healed place. You're going to hear me bring on psychologists, neuroscience experts, storytellers, emotional intelligence researchers, really anything that helps a leader grow personally and ultimately impact the culture of their organization. This is where I bring my favorite thought leaders on these topics to teach and mentor us through our own growth. I'm so glad you're here and welcome to The Porch. Today, I've got somebody I really admire. Gary Danoff is here, and he's all about improving human connection in a digital world. Y'all think that's important right now? I think so. He's the global head of Google Workspace, but that's just changed. He's going to give us an update. He's an executive coach and advisor. I'm telling you, if you're looking for somebody to help guide you in your career, please go talk to Gary. He's also a podcast host of What's Next Now. Gary, I'm so lucky to have you here. Thank you for being with me. I'm tickled to be here, Lindsay. This has been something I've been thinking about since we got to know each other a couple of years ago. It's kind of like the highlight of my week. So I'm, yes. I'm, I'm dancing. I'm dancing the light fantastic right now. It's just great to be here with you and everybody who's chosen to, to join the call today. Yes. I'm super happy to be here. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. Okay. I've got to ask you because we did meet, thank, thank goodness, actually, for the magic of technology because we actually met because you watch one of my presentations that from the coaching world, from the International Coach Federation. I think that's how we originally met. So even though we've never met in person, we spent a lot of time on Zoom together. We've got to connect. And I'm curious, when you look at this kind of hybrid work model that we all live in now that you and I are in, what do you see as the positives, negatives, the risks, the gains from your seat at Google? What do you see happening? Well. Um if you would permit me, let me answer that both from my seat at Google and from my seat as a human being living in this Great. world, getting along this way. I'll start with the latter. So, you know, in terms of generational connectivity, one of the topics you and I both are, are really, you know, gushy over. Yeah. I think one of the positive things, believe it or not, about living through glass, as I like to call it, meeting through glass, which is what we're doing, is that I've experienced it to be a little bit more challenging to tell generational differences because, well, we're not in person, we're not picking up micro expressions. We can't see all the little frowns and lines and wrinkles and whatever. And plus, you know, if we're behaving ourselves well, we're just seeing each other just in a very limited piece of our body, you know, it's just mm -hmm. from the top up. So a lot of people see that as a, as a, we see that as a negative. I see that as something that um, can be a positive because the twist side to that is I found that in leading a cross-generational team, which I do at Google, people are more willing to connect, more willing to let go of any perhaps unknown bias or prejudice that they might have had around different age groups, different cohorts, be they digital natives, millennials, Xers, or boomers, because we all need each other a little bit more. You know, we really need each other a little bit more. And so I've seen that as, as one of the, the positives from my own personal lens and have connected, you know, much more with people across the company, much less in my own direct team, um, regardless of the generation or the age or the time zone. I, I've, I was leading a team in five different time zones. So I could, 
I could be chatting with so many people on, on Google chat and have a Google meet with somebody at 10 o'clock at night for somebody in Australia or nine o'clock at night for somebody in Singapore and four o'clock in the afternoon for somebody in Austin, Texas. And we could be talking about pop music or how to get through a customer situation. You know, I could talk about how I like Post Malone circles and Tony <laughs> Loke, uh, you know, wild thing and whatever they want to talk about. So but I guess that's a little bit just to start off of, of the plus and the minus. Yeah. I can see more, but I'll pause. <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, isn't it interesting? And Gary, you and I think about this as coaches, how we just naturally confirm our bias. So if we think, oh, working over Zoom is going to be hard, all of a sudden it gets a little harder and harder to do. Yeah. And if you can find like these, these are the reasons that it's helpful. These are the ways that it helps us. It's actually, we actually create a better work environment. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, and that, and I think that speaks to the attitude. Like so many people who are joining us today are probably really used to, at least in the last year, hanging out with other human beings over class, over Zoom. I work at Google. I would prefer that everybody move over to Google Meet, Google Workspace, Google Meet. I'm just going to say it again, Google Meet, check it out. Um, <laughs> had to put in that unapologetic commercial there. But, I love it. You know, we've kind of gotten used to this and, and that's okay, but there, there are some things I feel like we're missing out on, such as water cooler conversations. Yes. You know, so there, there are some trade-offs to it, which I think make us all um, hungrily anticipating being able to get back to the human form together. Yeah. That's, do you think that we'll find, I know from a coaching perspective, I think about finding that balance in the future that we won't be totally all virtual and like hologramming in everywhere, but we probably won't be in the office a hundred percent. I know Gallup talks about, you know, really being in the office, actually out of the office, 60 to 80% is okay, but we need to be in the office 20%. What, how do you think that'll shake out? It keeps moving more virtual, more virtual, more virtual, but how do you think it'll actually shake out if you had to guess? I don't even think I could venture a guess because I'm reading so much by so many people who are both studying as well as pontificating as well as trying to figure out how this will go. Yeah. And what, what I think is the truth is that we won't know until we're doing it a little bit more. Yeah. And that's true. That frontline groundswell feedback from like many people who are on the call today, whoever and wherever they're working to feed that information back up to the people who make these decisions. I think that's part of what's going to inform what it actually turns out to be. Yeah. Um, I'll just say that for myself, I kind of like the idea of going into the office a couple of days a week so that I can have some, you know, water cooler time or bump into people casually. It's actually quite exciting to have that happen now with all the isolation going on. Oh my gosh, there's that person who I know who I used to see every day. I almost want to go give them a hug. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think probably initially there'll be a lot of that. And I don't know, maybe it'll break down when, when a year from now where it's, you know, three days in, two days remote or vice versa. Um, I think there's pluses and minuses to being both remote and, and hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And that's that idea of, we see this when any new technology kind of comes into our life. At first, we're like, no. And then we're like, actually, this is kind of nice. This is really nice. Okay, let's find a middle ground. Tell, yeah. can you go into a little bit about you and I, you know, this concept of water cooler talk? Can you talk about 
what you think we really get from those moments that we miss right now? What, what happens in that water cooler talk moment that we are, we're missing over glass? Oh my God, it's just millions of things that most of us aren't even consciously aware of. It's the body language, it's the micro expressions, it's the chemicals that are given off. It's the, um, you know, when you look at a dog's eyes or a cat's eyes, that um, there's, a, there's a name for the chemical, it's called the baby mom. Also, I'm forgetting it. Oxytocin. Thank you. So in human connection, there's some amount of oxytocin that's given off and I don't know if anybody's done any study to see if it, ha- if it happens through class, but I know that in person, I, I feel a different feeling in my body when I'm yes. with somebody than I do over, over a meeting. So in being able to have and get back to those water cooler interactions, there's that, there's all that stuff that happens inside of us as, as human form. There's also the ability to have a sense of fairness around running into my boss's boss or running into my boss and that, well, if we're all in the office, everybody has a fair chance for that. But if, if, if me and you were in the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but the boss is in the office on Wednesdays and Fridays, then we might not feel like we have that, that same opportunity. So there's some, there's some little mechanics like that that need to be worked out when these schedules get, you know, they might start off rough and then they might go down then we might, reach an equilibrium with them. But I think it's that substance of what human connection is, which I so prize and value, which we get to have in those water cooler connections that, um, and the spontaneity with which they occur. You know, it's the closest thing that I found is on Google chat, you know, just pinging up people, which I do all through the day and just kind of feeling connected and have informal, casual chat. That's the next best thing that I've found. Yeah, that makes sense that, well, the novelty too, of running into somebody or pinging them. I love the idea of just going in and seeing if they pick up and connecting. There's yeah. something really cool about that, that we don't get much novelty right now. We kind of live in the, the world of predictability, Groundhog's Day, and we, we get so much out of just seeing each other and connecting, even if it's fast, even if it's three minutes. Yeah. Even if it's three minutes. You know, one wacky idea just to share with you in the audience today that I've employed to help bring some spontaneity into those spontaneous chats is to just throw up a meme to somebody, throw up a joke of the day. You know, today is National Love Your Socks Day and like throw a sock up there, put your foot up to the camera for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Something something wacky and fun that uh, in, in a positive and professional way makes people remember you and gives them a jolt of, of fun for their day. And if you put a lot of strings of those together, it tends to improve your relationships at work, believe it or not. And, and also I think makes you a little happier to get through this. Yes. You know, it's interesting that you say that because there is something about sprinkling this in everywhere, not saying we're going to have a team bonding time on zoom and this hour, and then we're done team bonding for the week. We did our job, but but you're really understanding that the human nature piece of like sprinkle it in and then you do it enough and it adds up. It's a, it's a thousand little moments, not one yeah. big moment. Yeah, that is so true, Lindsay. I, that, that's what I found. And um, that's how I led my team. You know, it, my, if you would permit me, my latest podcast is called Leading Through Google. Uh, leading Through COVID. I, I already lead at Google. <laughs> <laughs> leading Through COVID at Google. 
And one of the things that I did was continually inject fun into the environment, you know, fun, trust, and encouragement. And fun is just so important for all of us these days because, you know, the weight of everything else can, can get to be a little much. Yes. This is interesting that you're focusing on those three things, fun, trust, and encouragement. So it sounds like fun you do through novelty. Let's show our socks. Let's do, before everybody came on, we were doing a show and tell with Gary's hats, his winter hats, which was super fun. (laughs) That was a great example. Yeah. And trust. Can you tell us a little bit, tell me a little bit about trust. And what was the last one that you said? Encouragement. Encouragement. Right. So this particular podcast leading through Google is about leading yourself so that you can lead others. And on the leading others part, I talk about trust, trust and respect go together. And what I did for my team, Lindsay, is I actually gave them a structure or an analogy that they could hold on to through the year, which is this. I help them compare running their territories or their, or their businesses to owning and running a Domino's pizza franchise. And so we talked about um, instead of buying the ingredients, the pepperoni, the green peppers, the dough, you have to learn the product. You have to be able to talk about the product. Instead of training your delivery staff to take orders online and deliver the pizzas, you have to train your partners to be able to do a successful deployment of Google Workspace and so forth and so on. And But I trusted them to take that model and run with it and learn it, even though there were things that they'd never done before. Mm-hmm. And, and I respected them enough to come back to me if they had questions about how to run their franchise. And that model worked really well. And it became part of the language. We talk about, oh, how's your franchise going today? Well, I had a problem with this customer at the counter in my franchise. And so that was building trust, giving them what they need. And then I said to them, well, when you're running a pizza franchise, you can't just be making pizzas all day. You'll get tired and worn out. So let's grab some of that dough and throw it up in the air and see if it sticks to the ceiling or let's put some (laughs) donuts on the pizza dough and see what happens with that. So, you know, that's all about having fun. So we did did games. We did. We had um, these bizarre. um, We had a Thanksgiving uh, Jeopardy game. Who knew that like 47 million pounds of turkey are eaten in the U.S. at Thanksgiving? (laughs) (laughs) It was was an astonishing. It was like, really, that much? Yeah. uh, So quizzes and games and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, really just a lot of encouragement to people to support them and be there for them as a leader. Does that come naturally to you, Gary, encouraging people? It does to me, Lindsay. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a middle child. So I tend to be um, a, a conciliator, a person who brings things together, a person who, um, you know, reconciles. And I also just think it's part of who I am on this earth. And so, you know, my short answer is yes, it does. That's really, that's interesting. I was working on a, a new keynote today and I was thinking, what do we love about our favorite leaders? Hmm. And one of the top things, and it'll be interesting to see how people respond to this, but one of the top things I think that comes up is that they have a positive outlook and that they're encouraging. It Mm. seems so obvious, but I think sometimes we believe like, well, some people are just always going to be positive and some people are always negative and I make sure to look for the problems and other people can be encouraging. But it seems the more I look into it and think about coaching models that we typically use, 
believing the best and being encouraging is critical for people to even want to be around you never even more so to follow you as a leader yeah i mean i think that way i'm also thinking if i take the opposite of that and if i think of leaders who maybe we might think of as well they're not so encouraging they're not really warm and maybe everybody with us on the call today their mind is also thinking of somebody they know like that yeah then the question is, well, could that person kind of learn to be encouraging? Could they learn to be more empathic? Could they be trained in that way? I think you can move the needle some with people like that, mm-hmm. depending on their receptivity to it. Um, but I don't know how much you can move the needle for everybody. You know, some people are, are just kind of a little bit more prone to that uh, than, than others. Sure. Sure, I could see that. Well, and to your point too, if it would have to be somebody who's open to say, maybe I can get more done if I'm warmer. Maybe people will respond differently to me if I use encouragement. So it's yeah. interesting to think through that. You've had so many different leadership experiences and coaching experiences. I think it's interesting to kind of go through your own memory files. Like, when has this gone really well? And when, you know, leaders that are tend to be more negative. How do people respond to them? How do they create trust and connection? It's interesting to consider because when we're all under a lot of stress, especially after a couple of years of this, it can kind of wear us down. Yeah. And it gets, it can be harder and harder to be like, okay, I'm going to find the silver lining (laughs) on the third (laughs) version of COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that, I mean, you know, this is ideally, ideally once in a lifetime for all of us. And you, you triggered something in my thinking. So it's not only leaders who can be encouraging or who are not, but how do people who are encouraged react to being encouraged? Yeah. Some people, they don't really like it. It doesn't, it doesn't sit well with them. It can make them uncomfortable. They could feel a little patronized or um, coddled in a way that they don't necessarily want to. So encouragement, I think, as a leader, is also a skill to how you roll it out and and, and serve it up to somebody. Um, Yes. You don't don't want to take their their agency away in any way or their power away. You just want to help them see that there's still some clean runway in front of them that they they have access to. Yes, that's well said. It is a nuanced skill. Yeah. It is. It doesn't, it doesn't just, uh, you can't just use a hammer on everybody. There's, there is nuance to it for sure. Yeah. What do you think? And this sounds like some of these, some of these techniques you're using to connect and bond and create that team environment. It sounds like you have a couple of those, which ones do you think you'll continue using even after the pandemic? Is there any techniques that you've learned because we'll never go back fully in person probably. What techniques techniques will you use in the future? Well, I've always been a big believer in in networking and connecting, just like Mm -hmm. constantly Mm -hmm. doing that. And, you know, for me, it's become a lifestyle, a hobby. Mm -hmm. I'm a fanatic about it. And and I have a saying um, in one of the frameworks in my own coaching practice, which is groom and grow your garden. So you're always growing your garden, grooming your garden, pruning some things out that maybe they're they're not useful right now. We'll set them over here, maybe in the compost pile, maybe to replant and other things are just sprouting up. So it's been hard to groom and grow our gardens in person during COVID. 
Um, but that's given me the opportunity to try new things doing that same skill, but instead doing it over chat and video. Yeah. So I've come up with my own little, I don't want to say prefabricated, but perhaps reusable reach out sayings and chat inside of my company and on LinkedIn to other people um, that I use to make new connections, to groom and grow my garden. And I think I will continue with that because it's fun. Uh, has a little bit of a dare factor to it. Oh, what's going to happen? Are they going to respond or not? Well, if not, maybe I'm challenged to try something new. And and I, I like that edge. I like working that edge. So I think I'll probably continue doing that. And a lot of clients have come to me and asked me to help them develop that kind of with their own voice. So I'll, um, I'll cont- those are a couple of things I think I'll continue. I like that. I like that. What's one of the questions that you use when you're reaching out, like a Gary question that you use when you're networking and connecting with people? Well, when I do it inside of Google, I'll start there and then I'll go to to the less known. So if I start, you know, obviously I can look at the directory and see what people's roles are. And I like to just be, you know, very basic. Like I've just changed roles at Google. So I'm in a different role now. And there's a lot of help I need from a lot of people because I'm starting over again, which, which is wonderful to have a beginner's mind. It's like being a freshman in college, but it's a little scary, you know, you, yeah. don't, you don't know a lot of stuff and you also don't know what you don't know. So I like to say to people, hey, Gary Danoff here, I'm in this new role. I know you cover this and this, and here are the next key words. Could you help me? Could you help me? It's so simple. Because yeah. most people, when you ask them for help, most people, not everybody, most people will, will tune up to that and they'll, they'll try and help you. And most of the time, the response I get is, sorry, that's not what I cover, but here, talk to this person over there mm-hmm. um, or something like that. So it's, it's not complicated, Lindsay. It's really pretty direct. Um, works pretty good. Sometimes I have to nudge a little bit. Um, to get to where I want to get to. And I'm very accepting of the fact that I might have to jump on multiple lily pads like a frog to ultimately get across the pond. But yeah. um, I do get across the pond eventually. Uh, yes, I love that. So it's again, it's like you, you nibble away at this. You spend a little time every day connecting with people. There's enough people to connect in Google that you could probably do that for an entire career and keep meeting yeah. new people. You, you could. But if you take that same idea, that same notion and transfer to, let's say you don't work at Google and I haven't worked at Google forever. I've mostly not worked at Google over the course of my career. So so then you look at LinkedIn or other social media where you want to connect with people. And that comes down to, um, you know, just doing research in advance, um, finding out what their social media posts are, what they're interested in, and then posing a short provocative um, value nugget Hey, Lindsay, um, I know that you're getting ready to give a keynote in so-and-so because I saw it on your schedule. And I know you've spoken in the past about generational differences. I found this new piece of information on HBR. I thought you'd be interested um, or something like that. Just to get the little spark started, the little fire started. I love that. Well, and that's that piece you're so good at is this idea of connecting is creating like a real emotional connection. Hey, I really do see you. I really do care. Yeah. Here's something to think about, or here's something I found that's really powerful 
especially in a world where there's just a lot coming at us that's pre-programmed. When you have somebody step out of that yeah. mentality and say, hey, I saw this here. Tell me more. It's a yeah. total, it's very rare, actually. When I think about when people want to network, well, LinkedIn is getting more and more spammy, but it's like when somebody actually pushes through all that and says who they are, what they need, what they're looking at, how they need help, it's mind blowing. It's very rare that it actually happens that way. So yeah. I love that you're giving us kind of a way to think about it and a way to approach people that's truly connecting. Yeah. And not transactional. It takes a little bit more work that way, but yes. you yourself become a little bit more invested in it. And, and you have to think more carefully. Do I want to put the work into connecting with Lindsay? Because if I'm not going to do it in a spammy way to, to use your word there, which I get, then I'm going to need to put a little work into it. So, so it lands well. Yes. That's really, man, we could do a whole talk just on that because you get this. <laughs> you get that world. <laughs> we could. We could pull up LinkedIn and do a live session on that, you know? Figure um, out how to network. I love that. Well, it's so yeah. funny because I hope everybody here today and when you watch the recording, you're going to be pinging Gary now, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, definitely. Now, we, we talk a lot about when you and I hang out, which we hang out over glass once in a while and we both can do it, which I love. We talk about cross-generational stuff a lot and because partly because we're coming from different generations and you work at a forward-thinking company and there's all these cool layers. I'm curious, when you think about work habits across generations, what are you seeing from your from your spot in the world? I mean, I, I just, I love that question. I love that question because I like to take... Um, um, I like to take a cake bomb. I'm trying to think of a positive thing or a cake bomb, blow up so many of the biases and prejudices yes. about, you know, millennials are lazy and boomers are this. And who the hell knows? We all have characteristics of one another. There's a lot of bleed across this. Yes. Much of it is personality related, I think. It is. Um, but what I found to, to answer your question directly is that um, there's been more cross-generational desire to connect because the knowledge is the knowledge. I, I have um, a couple of millennials on my team. They know things that I don't know because you know what? They were raised in a different point in time than I was raised as, a, as an early boomer, late boomer, whatever I am, closer to some side of the Xers. So I value that. And so I find that and I think I said this earlier that the pandemic, I think, has broken down some of those prejudices and biases that people might have. I hope. Yes. Um, I don't see those exist much in Google. I see people um, across race, creed, culture, sexual ethnicity, sexual gender and preference bias. I mean, all that stuff is really not doesn't exist very much, which is for me, a blessing to work at a company like that. I mean, yes. I really think that is, you know, thank you, Lord, because it's just, it's so welcoming. Um, I lost my track. Lindsay put me back on track. Well, I was totally following you. So like, this is fascinating. We're talking about, <laughs> you know, this myth about like generations are so different. And if you're a boomer, you're definitely like this. And if you're a millennial, you're definitely like this. And we're saying, well, it's kind of more about personality traits and, you brought up this other important piece that depending on when we were born in the technology timeline, we know different things too mm. about technology. And so we are, you see that 
Google is a place where everybody can coexist and we can appreciate that. And yeah. what, what else were you going to say about that? Was there something else? Well, I think that, I think the main point that I have about this is because of the pandemic, I just, I have had multiple experiences where what I'm guessing is generational cohort differences have been, those fences have melted away. Like if you build a big ice cream fence in your yard and you just want to dig into it and just have it melt so you can slurp it up like a milkshake. You know, I think during the pandemic, those ice cream fences have just melted some. And, and what happens when that happens is there's more knowledge that gets shared. There's yes. more understanding that gets shared across age differences, across race differences, across identity differences, across gender differences. And it's a good thing, you know? Yes. And so where I land with that is respect the knowledge, not the age. You know, that's one of the tenets of, of my Don't Just Text Connect framework is respect the knowledge, not the age. I don't, I want to learn from everybody. I don't really mm. care how old they are um, or how old they're not. It's, I'm interested yeah. in the knowledge. Ooh, I love that. Tell, can you tell us a little bit more about Don't Just Text Connect? This is cool. This is cool <laughs> stuff. Well, I have a couple of frameworks in my coaching world. Don't Just Text Connect is one of three. They're all on GaryDanoff.com. And Don't Just Text Connect is kind of the core framework that I use. And then I customize it with clients because every company and person is different. But what it teaches is how to have human connection in the digital world, habits to build to do that, um, and some repeatable practices to, to get that done so that instead of just texting or just being on social media, you're forming more rich for yourself and more foundational connections, which really are going to be good for you, your family, and your community. Mm-hmm. That's so important. It's it's easy sometimes when we're on tech to turn kind of transactional and lose that piece of humanity and staying connected and recognizing there's still a person on the other side of that screen. There's still a t their stories, their history. There's so much goodness there. And I can see why it's so important to remind people of that and train them how yeah. to do that. And that's the key thing is training them how to do that. Let's take your example. You're on a text with somebody. Let's say it's a friend or somebody you don't know very well. You know each other well, so you are accommodating of a lot of texting back and forth because you're best friends. You know each other for years, whatever. You know, so we're texting, no big deal. Who cares? But if you interrupt that habit and say, you know what, I'm going to try something different today or maybe this week, but today, every time I text with a friend, when we get through two texts to each other, one, two, back, two, back, I'm going to say, hey, do you mind if we actually talk for a minute or do a quick video so that you yes. break up the text and you actually change the engagement mode? Yes. Better still, you know what, Lindsay, it's been too long since we've actually seen each other. This pandemic sucks. Do you mind if we get together um, at a park and just kind of sit on a bench across from each other so, so I can see you and you can see me in the human form? So, so that would that. also also be a piece of what I try and help people shake themselves up with a little bit. It's almost like getting over that inertia too, to just kind of stay in your own world and stay cozy, but to say, we really will, let's get together. Let's, mm -hmm. we can be safe. We can be outside. We can be masked, 
but getting, I think I can see us kind of moving through the slump of like, oh, it's just, you know, a lot of work to shift the way I interact back into the social world, back into the world where we're all together again. And it's going to take a little energy to do it, but it will definitely pay off. It will take energy to do it. Um, if you've had the experience, even during the last two years, when we went through a, a low mask period of going yes. into a mall or a restaurant or an office building, I don't know about for the other people on the call today, but for myself, I, it was a little awkward for me. It literally was a little awkward to like be in the office with other people. This felt yes. little, It was shocking how it felt a little strange, you know? Yep. So it is a muscle or, or a uh, attenuation that we have to kind of get back to. And I don't want to let mine completely go. I don't want that muscle to get too uh, atrophied. I'm so glad you said that because there is real truth to that. I, you know, I've experienced that too. And if so many people have said that, it's like, I don't usually feel on edge or awkward, but now that I've been living by myself in my little office, my spare bedroom, I've got to get back out there and get used to that again. Yeah. Yeah. Our nervous system is like, whoa, there's other humans in the room. Hold on. Let me get reset. <laughs> oh, I'm not inhabiting the planet alone. I, I, there's people out here. <laughs> I'm not inhabiting oh. the planet alone. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because I noticed this when I do keynotes. I've done a few in person and people forget that I can see them when I'm speaking. They forget that I can see them from stage because I couldn't six months ago. And so it's kind of like reminding oh. people like, oh, wow. I can see you right now. I can see if you're on your phone, I can see because we kind of lost our own yeah. self-monitoring in some interesting ways. Oh, that is it's a wild. great point. That, and that must for you as a keynote speaker standing on stage, was it, did it, did it take an adjustment for you to, to be seeing yeah, people? unnerving. Yes. Yeah, it's unnerving because, or when everybody's wearing masks and you can't read, like right. if the message is getting in or not. So right. I can imagine when, even just when you go back to the office or when we go back, it's like, oh, I should expect that it's going to be a little wonky. It doesn't mean anything's wrong. It doesn't right. mean anybody's mad at me. It doesn't right. mean the business is tanking. It just means like we're reorienting, mm. like how to socialize this way. Yeah. And it, it takes really, a little bit of time and energy. Yeah, it does. Um, just looping that back to, I think, one of your earlier questions, if I may, Lindsay, about Please. technology. Um, Google is experimenting with some technologies that, you know, the hybrid world, whatever it becomes, and the work-at-home world right now will make us feel more of a, a presence with each other, even through glass. Um, so it's... It's not quite augmented reality. It's more like a, a telepresence type of thing, which which uh, which we're experimenting with. And there's also some things we're experimenting with to where, let's say you have a, a meeting in the office and you and I are in the office on uh, Mondays and Wednesdays and our other two colleagues are in the office on Wednesdays and Thursdays or, or Tuesdays and whatever, the opposite days. We're not all in the office at the same time, but we're having this meeting together. Two people are in the office, two people yeah. are in the home. So there's a system that we're experimenting with. It's kind of like a campfire where we're all sitting around in a circle and those people who are not in the office are on their own monitor in a position so that they look like, you know, that they're there with us in the circle. 
I just want to say that's experimental. There's no solution or product like that right now. But we're thinking about this world and how we can bring people together in hybrid work environments. And those things probably will come through Google Workspace, which is our collaboration and communication platform. Which we should all join and leave Zoom. Exactly. But think that is wild, Gary. I mean, is this even Gary or is this like a, am I getting like a hologram right now in the, in the real Gary's like. It's the, the here, look, I'm sweating right here. Okay. It's real. Stuff. He's real. <laughs> the real Gary is busy skiing right now. You have his hologram. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the real, it's the real, it's the real deal. It's but, amazing. Uh, it's yeah. the future though. I think it's kind of wild to see and embrace even what you're saying. It makes me go. Here we go, baby. We're going in like the world will continue to change. And we, to the degree that we're open to that, we'll experience connection to the degree that the unknown scares us and we shrink back. We're going to feel the result of that, too. That's a good point. I've got a few questions for you coming in. Can I ask? Can I ask them to you? Okay. Fire away. Fire away. Okay. The pandemic has been an opportunity for me to dig into curiosity, especially with my coworkers. Instead of responding in a place of judgment, choosing to wonder why they made that decision, et cetera, I'd love to hear Gary's thoughts on curiosity at work in building up others, strengthening teams, or helping ourselves live in that fun, trust, and encouragement mindset. What role does mm. curiosity play in all of this? Well, that's a big question. There's a lot to that question. So whoever composed it. Thank you. It's, it's well composed and that's a big question, but I'm immediately thinking of curiosity as one of the um, character traits, which most indicates emotional intelligence. So curiosity is kind of the gold star um, in one of the indexes that I use, one of the instruments I use to help clients. Um, And so being curious is a great way to build connections with people. I mean, who doesn't like to be asked a question about themselves, their interest? I'd like to learn about you. Yes. The word curious, I'm curious about you. And I think part of the question was using that to build your own strengths and using that during the pandemic for whatever time it continues. I would say, go back to something we touched on earlier with grooming and growing your garden and doing these little chats. Hey, so-and-so, I'm just curious to learn, you know, what blah, 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 blah. Curious to know, what is your point of view on blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, I'm double thumbs up on curiosity. I hope I addressed the question there. Yeah, I think so. I think just bringing this concept, you know, curiosity and the other concept that you bring up that's so important is that our teams, our relationships are like gardens. They're not like robots that we can program, unprogram, program. They take time to cultivate. They take repetition. They, yeah. You don't dump all the water at once and go, you got your water for the spring. Good luck. <laughs> there's this like, there's this wisdom that you carry about a little bit every day, a little bit every day. That's true, and We don't have to be just curious tomorrow. It's the nuance. This is what I love about talking with you is you always remind me of nuance that it's not just like be curious about everything. It's here's how you could apply it. Here's how you could use it. It's one of many tools and it is the gold standard, the gold star of emotional intelligence. So it's like kudos to those leaders who choose 
curiosity instead of anger, frustration, judgment, but choosing that first. It's one more little thing that we can do to water that garden, to help make it better and better. You can aim into that. Yeah. You get it. You get it so well. Okay. I got another one for you. Okay. Since you come from a high-tech company that integrates a lot of tools, and that isn't the case necessarily everywhere, what piece of advice do you give companies or organizations that aren't as tech-forward to be able to adapt to the new future of work? Hmm. What's one thing that kind of lower tech companies or organizations, what's one thing they could do to be better? Because it can be daunting, you know? Yeah, and I think that's when, when I think about I'm trying to pull up a couple conversations that I have in my mind. Mostly, <laughs> I am trying to encourage the leaders of those companies, those that make decisions about investment of resources and dollars into infrastructure in one category and into people, people wellness in another category. I'm inviting them to be curious, first of all, about, well, why are you not so tech forward or what perhaps is intimidating to you about being tech forward? And really, what does tech forward mean to you? Like, what, mm. what does it look like to you to, to take one little step to be a little bit more tech forward? Would that mean, you know, smartphones that people could have chats on during the day if they're in the field servicing customers? You know, 80% of the world's workers are frontline workers who don't sit at monitors every day to do their work. So maybe it's, it's a step like that. Uh, so what I, what I say to, I don't, I don't say anything, actually. I, I ask questions. I, I become curious and see if I can help those leaders understand um, and that I can learn with them what might be holding them back. Maybe there's financial reasons that we can address. Maybe there's um, intimidation reasons around technology that, that we could address or, or something else. So that's, that's my modus operandi. I love that. Getting curious. <laughs> what do you think causes kind of technophobia in people? <laughs> well, I mean, when I think about it in myself, like my son, you know, he can, his, his, he calls it his Google foo, like the ability to search on Google search. He's yes. taught me so much how to abbreviate my searches. Um, like, okay, here's a great example. The other day, my Android phone, which is a OnePlus 7, happens to be the brand, I inadvertently made the text too big in my, in my text messages. My son's name is Alex. I was like, okay, Alex, I know this is going to be Let's Trick Dad. So let's play a game called Let's Trick Dad. You know, will Dad figure this out or not? So I said, well, here's how I would attempt to do this. I said, you know, um, Android settings on um, OnePlus 7 phone. And he just said... I, no, I didn't say Android. I said message settings on OnePlus 7 phone. He said, Dad, how about just Android message settings? So we did that, and it told us where to go, and it turned out it was just a pinch setting, all of which is to say that the technophobia that I think, in that little example that I had but chose to kind of lean into that yeah. other people have is because we're scared. You know, anytime, anytime – you know, if you thought about when you were a kid and jumping off a high dive or the first time maybe your first mom time. or dad took the training wheels off your bicycle, you were like a little scared because it was yes. new. So I think it's just that. And I think um, helping people to not be scared by taking a little baby step is, is maybe one way to get around it. That is so humane and true. 
I remember when I was a, when I used to teach drum lessons, I saw a distinct difference between when I was teaching like a 13 year old and a 50 year old. Oh, wow. Because when you're 50 or when you are later in life in any vert 30, you stop doing new things as much. Kids do new things all the time. Yeah. But we stop doing new things and we get kind of uncomfortable with um, maybe not looking like we know what we're doing. Yeah. So I wonder because it's evolved, technology is evolving so quickly that, you know, if if you're later in life, you're like, oh, I don't want to learn a new thing. That's not a muscle I flex every day, but kids are doing it every single day. They're trying new things. And so it's interesting how you said, you know, when you're, when you see something, like when you're doing something you've never done before, it's natural to be a little afraid. Yeah. And taking those baby steps can be helpful. But, you know, the other side of that, Lindsay, that, that's true. Taking those baby steps is, is the way to go. But and, and this is something that I love about working at Google. Everybody's like hungry and curious and constant learners. And so that's that sort of attitude in life. Mm staves off Alzheimer's and all sorts of other things that can happen down the road. So what I say to anybody in the boomer generation who feels like, well, I haven't really exercised that muscle. I'm going to say, get out there and exercise. You need to (laughs) exercise that muscle. (laughs) Get that growth mindset going. Get that growth mindset going. It's never, you're never too old to learn. That's so, maybe that is part of it is that technology kind of just reveals whether or not we got a little too cozy in the way we liked things to be. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. I mean, you think about we've got, I've got a 10 year old and she's like, I can drive in six years. I'm like, now will she drive or will she like get in a car and that'll take her someplace driverless cars? You know, you start to think about, wait, how is this going to go? Are we going to be sitting in virtual reality three years from now, six years from now? Wow. 10 years from now, people are going to be like, you got on this thing called Zoom and recorded a 2D wow. image. I don't. Right. How flat, yeah. you know. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but, hey, hey, dad, you were you weren't square. You were like flat, man. You, you, <laughs> yeah, dad, yeah. you were flat. I couldn't feel you. You were flat. <laughs> how, how did y'all do that? Yeah, that's funny, Lindsay. But that's I think I think that is where we're heading. How do you keep your growth mindset? Is it being in an environment like Google that's always, it's like, look, evolution is the name of the game, or do you think it's part of how you're wired? How did you get to this point where you said, growing is fun, I'm going to keep doing it? I mean, you know, it's a mix for me. Like, I have lots of lazy moments where, you know, I have a stack of books over there. I, I read I don't read them all the way through. I read some of them and I put it down and I get enthralled with another one and put that one down. And I have a little notebook over there where somebody says a word and I write that word down. Like, here's a great fun word. It's even fun to say. I haven't looked it up yet. Phantasmagoria. What a great word. I'm writing it down. (laughs) Phantasmagoria. I mean, that's got to be something fun and cool. So I just... I just, I just like to find uh, different things to, to learn and do to, to keep myself interested. And yeah. know, certainly it's uh, Google promotes that as well, but, but outside of that, um, I guess it's just a piece of who I am. You know, this is good for, this is a good reminder for me to have the freedom to read half a book. I'm really good at reading half a book and yeah. break the rules, follow curiosity. You got what you need. 
Yeah. Put the book down. Gary and yeah. I are giving out permission slips today to yeah. read half the book until you're satisfied. Totally. Read half the book. Eat half the donut. Well, no, eat the whole eat donut. Eat the whole donut. donut. <laughs> <laughs> and now I want pizza, too. Thanks a lot. Domino's pizza. I got to make a call. <laughs> the food call. Yeah, I, I just really second that idea, Lindsay, of dropping the judgments and giving yourself permission. You know, yes. it's been so hard for all of us. And one of the things I've taken out of the pandemic is just being a little nicer to this guy right here. And, uh, you know, just, it, it took a lot for me to get to that point, but that, that was a real positive of the pandemic for me. Um, yes. Sharing that with everybody. Yes. I, I can really appreciate that. And that's, you know, a positive for the pandemic for me has been getting to meet you and getting <laughs> to have this connection with you. And, you know, you bring out, playfulness you bring out imagination you're so kind and nuanced and you teach me a lot just by spending oh. time with me so thank you for being here today with me god thank you Lindsay. you're 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 a beautiful human being and i thank you for letting me be with you and, and your audience today and i've just enjoyed every minute of it yes i'm so glad i'm so glad we are going to make sure everyone gets this recording come listen to gary and i on your drive for the first for the first day you go back into the office it's going to be okay everybody read half the book get the one get the donut order the pizza everything's going to be okay <laughs> well and one day we'll all be holograms so that's what i'm taking away <laughs> oh, that's perfect uh, if you want to stay connected to gary which you definitely do jump on linkedin he's got over twelve thousand people that follow him and want to learn from him and hear what he has to say jump in his linkedin you can definitely stay and touch his website. Is it just GaryDanoff.com? Yeah, uh, GaryDanoff.com. Awesome. Gary at GaryDanoff.com is my email if anybody wants Perfect. To. We're going to put yeah. all that up. Let's stay connected. Gary will help you feel light. He'll help you know everything's going to be okay. Find solutions. Find the, the golden nugget in the struggle of today. Gary, I'm so lucky to know you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. I'm wishing you a beautiful rest of your day. We'll see you soon on the porch. Thanks, everyone.